You can be seated. title of the sermon this morning is, is a holy church with dirty hands. And, and you might say, that doesn't seem like that goes together, but it does. God has called us to be, to be a holy church, but not afraid to engage in the ministry that he has called us to do. You know, I think Joel done that song just for me because he knows I love that song. You know, and if it didn't do anything to anybody else, it, it, it ministered to me. You know, I can remember, you know, 49, 50 years ago, and I know I don't look that old, but... But uh, I, I, was, I, was, I was just a baby back then. <laughs> but, uh, you know, this wasn't even on the radar. This. I mean, it, it was, you know, I, I would have I run off and, and hid on some deserted island somewhere if you'd have told me that, that this is what you know, 2023 looked like, but, but I praise God. You know, that I was able to do it with my wife. You know, for, for nearly 50 years, and we haven't been married for 50 years, but we dated for a long time before we got married. Uh, you know, we, I've had the privilege of, of doing God with her. And, uh, and that's a precious thing. We're, we're living in a, in a critical time. In this nation, as, as a free quote unquote society and uh, you know the Holy Spirit talked about this time in the New Testament and, and, and he told us you know about the end of the age and, and the spiritual storm that, that we would be experiencing and, and living in but you know, the Holy Spirit didn't tell us this to, to scare us, but he told us this to, to inform us so that we could be prepared and, and know that it's imperative that we hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to us as the church today. You know, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I just... Gosh, we could read the whole chapter, but, but we won't. But 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 says, says this, but, but understand this, that in the last days will come perilous times of great stress 
and trouble hard to deal with and hard to bear. You know, and, and I think that that's kind of where we're at. You know, we're, we're living in, in, in difficult times. But that doesn't mean that, that we can't succeed in all of this stuff because of the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of us. If you remember in, in Joel chapter 2, verse 28... It said, and afterward I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. You know, I believe that we're living in that day because the Holy Spirit is preparing the church for the perilous times that we're living in. Our young men and, and women will prophesy. They'll exhort, they'll, they'll encourage, and, and they'll edify those that they're around. And then it says, old men shall dream dreams, and young men shall, shall see visions. You know, and, and ladies, don't get offended there. You're, you're not being excluded. I don't think that, that the men that, that's... The men, the word men that, that is used here is, is an expression of sex. I think it's an expression of species. Yeah. Mankind. Mankind, exactly. So your, your older, more mature men and women will dream dreams and your young men and women will see visions. You know, the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit will be in these last days. And it'll be reserved for those that refuse to give in to the spirit of the age. The greatest outpouring that this world has ever seen is about to happen. And it'll happen on and through those that refuse to give in to the spirit of this age. And the greatest levels of power the church has ever experienced will be released. Right. Yeah. Amen? Amen. And, and you know, it, it's up to us to decide whether that's the, that's the church that we are going to be or whether, you know, we don't want to participate. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27, it said Jesus is coming back for a, for a perfect, faultless church. You know, and, and I don't know whether that's the condition of the church, that the church will be in before I leave, leave this earth, but, but I want to be a, a contributing factor in, in walking in that direction. And I believe that everyone here wants to be that person too. Amen. 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 In Matthew chapter 16, grab your Bible or your, your iPhone and, and, and go to Matthew chapter 16. And, and I'm going to start with verse 13. It says, then Jesus came to the 
coast of Caesarea Philippi, and he said to his, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? You know, Jesus is setting the disciples up here. He really is. He's saying, guys, who, who does the world say that I am? You know, when you go to, to Walmart and they're talking about God or talking about me, you know, who do they say that I am? Or, or when, when you go to a fertilizer plant or the implement dealership or wherever it is or at school, who do they say that, that I am. And some of them said, well, and some say that, that uh, you're John the Baptist. And some of them say Elijah. And others say Jeremiah or, or one of the other prophets. But then Jesus got real personal with them and he said, who do you say that I am? Yeah. You know, and that's the real question here this morning. It's not, it, it's not, what somebody else is saying about Jesus, you know, what their opinion is, but what's your opinion? Who do you say that I am? And in verse 16, and, and Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven, he said, Simon Barjona, you haven't gotten your information from men. You haven't let what men say about me or who I am influence you, but you've been in my presence and you know that my Father God, you know what my Father God is saying and who I am. And in verse 18, it says, and I say unto you that thou art, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In other words, the revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that revelation is what the church is built on. Right. And in verse 19, he says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What are the keys to the kingdom of heaven? It's the revelation that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen. That's, you know, if, if we don't have that revelation, we don't have anything to base what we believe on. We don't have anything to base what we believe on if we don't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. And that's the keys. It's, it's not our great faith that brings us salvation. It's a faith in a great God that, that brings us our salvation. Glory to God. What, what does the holy church look like? God has always had a remnant. 
that, that would not bow to the pressures. And in these last days, he will again have a remnant that will not compromise the word of God. And I want to be in that group. He's always had a remnant, regardless of what the situation was. And he'll have a remnant again that will not compromise what the word of God says about who he is and his desire for this earth. In, in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, and, and, and these passages, scriptures came up Tuesday at, at, during prayer. And, uh, you know, I thought they were so good. I thought we ought to listen to, look, look at them again. In Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, and I'm going to be reading out of the NLT. And it says, It was in the year King Uzziah died, and I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and his train and the train of his robe filled the temple. Glory to God. That, that sounds a lot like the verse of scripture we just got through reading over there in the New Testament of where Jesus was identified as the son of the living God. Here Isaiah is seeing, seeing the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. He was in having an encounter with his father God. Attending him were mighty seraphim. I looked that word seraphim up, and it means flaming creatures, bronze in color. Each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their face, and with two wings, they covered their feet, and with two wings, they flew, and they were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. And the whole earth was filled with his glory. That's who our God is, folks. Holy, holy, holy. And his glory fills all the earth. And their voices shook the temple to its foundations. And the entire building was filled with smoke. You know, when we have a revelation of who our Father God is, you know, now we are the temple. It, it ought to shake us to our knees. You know, I'm reminded of the account in the Old Testament where the priest, when they came before God, that they couldn't stand because, because of the awesomeness and the holiness of God. Holy, holy, holy is my Father. And my foundation is, is, is shaken. 
and his presence encompasses me and fills me to the overflowing. Folks, that's where we that's where we got to be as a church. And in verse 5 it says, And I said, it's all over, I'm doomed, for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips, yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. You know, when I read stuff like this, I like to put myself in, in Isaiah's position. I, I like to get his perspective and see myself here. You know, Isaiah realized that he wasn't worthy to, to, to be witnessing what he was seeing. Yet we go on and read here, and it says, One of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal that he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs, and he touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You see what the presence of God did? It cleansed him, made him worthy. And the presence of God will do the same thing today as it did back in Isaiah's time. You know, I, I, I think that, that these colds represent the word of God. In in John chapter 1, it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In in Psalms chapter 18, verse 13, it says, the Lord thundered from heaven and the voice of the Most High resounded amid hail and burning coals. You know, I think that those burning coals represented the word of God that, that cleansed us from all our unrighteousness and made us worthy. This is what a picture of the holy church is. One that comes before God and spends time in his presence and has a revelation of, of the holiness and the awesomeness of God that, that's beyond any words that I could speak that could explain and, and you know, do justice. You know, it's just something that you have to experience for yourself. You know, I, I can't experience it for you, Jeremy. It's something that you've got to come into, to his presence and, and just know that he is. And then in verse 8, he said, Then I heard the Lord say this, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. You know, my prayer this morning is that that every one of us want to be this person. Lord, send me. Send me. 
you know, I, I like to do a lot of just digging around and, and you know, Charles Spurgeon, he, he's a, he was a good Baptist. And, and he's got a lot of great quotes. And, it, and I particularly like this one here. It says, if you have no desire to bring others to heaven, you're not going there yourself. Ouch. You know, and, and I'm not saying that this is, you know, Bible, but I'm just saying that this is what God was speaking to Charles Spurgeon at the time that he was speaking it to him. And, and it probably meant a lot to him. And he thought, you know, so there's some generations, you know, several hundred years, or not several hundred, you know, several years in the future that can benefit from, from this revelation. And he said, if, if you have no desire to bring others to heaven, then you're not going there yourself. Ouch. He's, he's, a, he's a man that really gets to the point. You know, you don't have to wonder about what he's trying to say when, when, when he has something to say. So we've got a picture now of, of what a holy church looks like. It's a church that has a a relationship, a personal relationship with their Father God, and they and they have they've seen what God looks like, and they've experienced His presence, and it's shaken them, you know, down to their foundation, and and it's compelled them that they've got to do something. You know, the Apostle Paul is, is the best example of a person striving to be pure, keeping his heart clean, and not afraid to get into the trenches of everyday ministry. He was shipwrecked. You know, he was beaten. He experienced hunger. He was stoned, he was put in prison, and yet he still had a passion for the lost. In 1 Corinthians 9.16, he said this, For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity it was laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. He just didn't share the gospel just because he knew that that's what he was supposed to do. That's what the Bible said, or he didn't have the Bible back then. But but he was under compulsion. It was something that burned down on the inside of him that he had to preach the gospel. John Wesley said this, He says, light yourself on fire with passion and people will come to to watch you burn. Light yourself on fire with passion and the people will come to watch you burn. You know, the gospel of the word of God down on the inside of us has to be our passion. It has to be burning down on the inside of us that, that you know, I, I want to see him come to Jesus. So I'm not, you know, I, I know that I ought to do it, 
but I'm not doing it just because I know I ought to do it. I'm, I do it because I'm, I'm compelled to do it. I can't not do it. Martin Luther said this. I'm hitting all the bases. Baptist, Methodist, Luther here today. Martin Luther said this. You are not only responsible for what you say, but also for what you do not say. You're not responsible only for what you do say, but also for what you do not, do not say. Yes. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, Paul said this, And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty words or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in much fear and trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. That your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let's, let's look at these verses of scripture kind of individually here. In, in verse 1, you know, Paul could have spoken to the Corinthians in, in eloquent words. You know, Paul was a very learned man. He, he was, he was the, one of the great minds of his time. He even said in Acts that he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. You know, that he had kept the law perfectly. He, he, wasn't, he, he wasn't deficient anywhere in keeping the law. He was... You know, he was perfect in keeping the law. Yet he didn't choose to use eloquent words or, you know, eloquent oratorical uh, speeches to, to bring the word. He, he, he did it as simply as he could. Mark sixteen fifteen. You know, we can't talk about, we, we can't talk about the gospel without touching Mark 16, 15. You know, I think Jesus is telling us this morning that we need to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. Sure. Not because it's the right thing to do, but because that's what we have to do. That's what we have to do. In verse 2, it says, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. You know, Paul was determined. He had been beaten, he had been imprisoned, he had been mocked, and yet he was determined to proclaim Jesus Christ and him crucified the only message that can heal the brokenhearted, mend the broken families and relationships, 
the only message that can heal the sick and raise the dead. In verse 3, it says this, And I was with you in weakness and in much fear and trembling. You know, when we read all the things that Paul wrote, you know, sometimes we just get the idea that, that he was some kind of a superman, you know, and he, he was on his A game all the time. You know, we, we know he had some, you know, little hiccups in the road, but, but, but he was never, he, he was always in charge. But, you know, I don't think that that's quite accurate Paul was humble. It says here in in verse 3 that he was physically weak, emotionally trembling, and mentally fearful. And I think a lot of that had to do because God had called him to do a job that was bigger than what he could accomplish. And he's doing the same thing to you this morning. He's calling you to do a job that's bigger than what you can do. That doesn't seem fair. That doesn't seem fair. You know, as, as I look back over, you know, since I graduated out of high school, you know, I don't know that God has called me to do anything that I could do. In fact, I know he hadn't. You know, whether it's been in the ministry or whether it's been, you know, in a secular job. You know, I I was just a guy that wanted to be a farmer. You know, raise cattle, you know, long hair, beard, rode a Harley, and, and raise cattle. Now, that doesn't go very good together, does it? But, but, you know, that's just who I was. And, and, and that's the guy that Suzanne married. And, and if she, if, if I'd have been me, if who I am now, I'd been back then, I, I don't know whether she could have handled that or not. You know, I, because I, I'm not the guy that she married, neither, and she's not the, the gal that I married either. We, we grew up together doing God. And that was a good thing. But, you know, when, when I became the, the, the service manager at Gilkey's, I was a farm boy. You know, horse riding, Harley riding. You know, I, I, I wasn't a, a service manager. You know, I, I didn't want to be around people. But... But, you know, God placed people in my life that, that, that directed me, guided me, taught me. And, you know, did I mess up? I most certainly did. And I might have messed up some of your people's cars. You know, I don't know. You know, if, if, if I did, forgive me. You know, it, it wasn't intentionally. You know, and then, and then uh, you know, service manager at, at John Deere and, and, and Case and, and, you know, all this other stuff, you know, I wasn't qualified to do any of it. And I sure wasn't qualified to, to preach the gospel. 
or I didn't think I was. But he called me to do all of that stuff, not because I was qualified, but because, you know, we had made a commitment to, to follow God the best that we could. And he filled in where we, where our abilities petered out. He picked us up and carried us on. And it's nothing that, you know, and I can't praise, you know, I can't take the credit for being excess, a success at anything because I wasn't qualified. It was God that qualified me. Are we bold enough to risk getting our hands dirty and reaching out and helping the person out that is in a hopeless situation? Are we bold enough to reach out and get our hands dirty in reaching out to a person that is in a hopeless situation? You know, and everyone here, everyone that we come in contact with this week that doesn't know Jesus is in a hopeless situation. Every one of them. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, it says this, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, Paul, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, and in persecutions and distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We need to get out of our comfort zone and follow the unction of the Holy Spirit. And we need to con confront unbelief with the gospel. Yes. That's who we are, church. And that's what we need to be doing. In Luke chapter 14, here, here's, what, here's what getting your hands dirty looks like. Let's, let's look at verse 16. Mark fourteen, sixteen. But Jesus said unto him, A man was once giving a great supper and invited many. And at the hour for the supper, he sent out his servants to say to those who had been invited, Come, for all is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses and to beg off. And the first said unto him, You know, I've bought a piece of land and I have to go out and see it. I beg you to have me excused. And the other said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going out to examine. And, and, and you know the story. It, it, you know, everybody's making excuses here why they can't come. In verse 23, it said, And the master said to the servant, 
go out to the highways and the hedges and urge and constrain them to yield and come in so that my house may be filled. The message Bible says it like this. The master said, go into the country roads wherever you can find, whoever you can find, drag them in. I want my house full and let me tell you, not one of these that was originally invited is going to get so much as a bite at my dinner party. You know, our, our job is just not to, to suggest that somebody comes to church, but it's to go and compel them that this is where they need to be. You know, I can remember when I was asked, you know, Suzanne, Suzanne and I was asked this question when we were in, in a couple's house that didn't go to church, you know, didn't know who God was. They said, well, what good would it do me if I came to your church? And I did not know what the answer was. You know, to me, that was an eye-opening experience. And, and that got us digging in the word of God. And, and we had to, to have a revelation of who our God was you know, we, we didn't have a revelation of who our God was. Didn't know. You know, we can go back to Matthew and, and where Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? <clears throat> I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to say. But it didn't take long for me to find out who my God was. Because we spent time in the Word. We got, we got in the Word. I, you know, I told Suzanne, you know, if, if, if we don't know why we're doing this, why are we doing it? You know, we were doing it just because that was the way we was raised up. And we didn't have a revelation of of who our God was and what he could do and and what he could mean in our life. If we would have that relationship with him, we did not know. But I'm urging you, I'm, I'm compelling you this morning that if you don't know, to find out. To find out before the day's over. Come and see me. Because you have to know. You have to know. You know, and I wish I could stand up here in front of you this morning and say, I know everything about God that there is to know and I've got it made. No. I work on it 24 7, 365 days a year. And there's stuff that. You know, you go, golly. <laughs> you know, I didn't know that. That's an everyday occurrence, folks. That's an everyday occurrence. But it comes by spending time with your Father God and, and getting a revelation of Him where you can say, like Isaiah said, I see my God and He's high and lifted up. And his train fills my temple. His train fills my temple. I'm unworthy, but he made me worthy. 
Glory to God. That's who we are. Are we willing to go to the apartments to compel them to come? Are we willing to go to the fertilizer plant or the implement dealership or Walmart or your place of business or, or a place of business that you're you know, doing business at and, and, and share the gospel? You know, that's what getting your hands dirty looks like. It, it, it's going to those places that, you know, golly, God, I, you know, I know you're with me because I've got a revelation that you never leave me nor forsake me, Amen. that you protect me, right. you protect my coming in and you protect my going out. Right. And Father, I know that you sent me here, but... You know, your heart's going thump, 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 thump. But that's what getting your hands dirty looks like, folks. It, it's just, it's not, it's not, it's not just inviting somebody to church, which that's good to get saved, but you ought to get them saved and then bring them to church. You need to get them saved and then bring them to church. You know, that, that, that's a whole other story. You know, I didn't know that I could do that, but now I do. Hallelujah. Right. Praise team. In verse 4 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, And my speech and my message were not with plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, Paul ministered in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and then also the Gentiles. And then in verse 5, It says that your faith might not be, might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul witnessed his faith, shared his faith with a purpose. He was purposeful with his faith. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse seven. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like Fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it, makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. God has called us to be a holy church this morning. But we need to be a church that's willing to get its hands dirty in, in the ministry that he has called the church to do. Amen.